Hi, this is Nina Fareep with Clockwise Productions. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increasing your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with a new and becoming a very good friend of mine, Nina Froreep. Nina has been in TV, film, and video production her entire life. She's seen it all from the early days on independent features to big national TV commercials, corporate mega shows, and Emmy award-winning documentary films, including one she produced and directed called Abraham's Children. Nina has negotiated with Teamsters, clients, actors, crew, children, police officers, a few dogs, and one snake. All of them worth great stories. Today, Nina is excited to enable business coaches and service-based entrepreneurs to create easy and impactful video marketing so they can attract their ideal clients and be disruptors in their industry. Nina loves spending time outside, especially in the Swiss Alps, where she's from. Her owner is a dachshund Yorkie mix, oh, how adorable, called T Tigger. That's T-I-double-gur-er. And <laughs> I got to tell you, she's live from New York City. And the soundtrack you guys are going to be hearing is going to prove it because we have already heard it many times. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. And I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Nina. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Nina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for this conversation. Oh, me too. And I've also always wanted to say live from New York City. Well, happy, happy to oblige. I know, right? So, you know, you're, you're here from Swiss, yes, from, from Switzerland, the Swiss Alps. Skiing there's got to be incredible. Yes. And being in New York City, you're probably navigating other slopes. <laughs> yes. Very slippery ones. Yes. I know, right? <laughs> so so let's talk about your your journey of of migrating from Switzerland to the US and then navigating business in there because it's got to be different here than it was over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. So when I came to America, this was in 89. And you're going to do the math in a second. I was about to turn 24. I really hadn't worked, 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 worked yet. You know, I mean, I had had some jobs, but I was still at university. Um, so my whole professional life really has ha unfolded and happened in New York. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I had some, you know, secretarial jobs and some selling jobs, you know, in boutiques and, you know, whatever young women do while they study and, you know, need to need to make some money on the side. So mm -hmm. um, 
And, and that was very much also in the world. The bigger transition was not the business transition. It was really the cultural transition and the being a female transition. That was the biggest one, right? So going from the expectation of getting married and having children and being an in, educated and interesting um, you know, wife to my future husband and, um, you know, somebody who could do homework with my children well into, you know, high school <laughs> without flunking right. um, to, to all of a sudden standing in New York and meeting all these women my age who were talking about careers and were talking about doing things. And that was, that was the big, that was really the big shift for me. That was like a, a, a mind-blowing experience that first semester that I, I came to New York. You know, I'm, I'm going to say in air quotes, you, you, you really navigated a man's industry. And I say that in air quotes strategically, because, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, in the time when you started navigating business to now, there's, there's still a level of stereotyping. And yet I think it's diminished through time and it's continuing mm -hmm. diminishing. How was it for you to navigate that world in business, in movies and, and just all that, that, that production arena? Yeah, it's an interesting question because today, um, you know, especially in the agency world, most producers are female because it's a, it's a real nurturing job. Mm. Um, but I remember back in the days um, I started producing on, you know, I mean, while I did the ladder from being a production assistant and driving trucks and, you know, standing out in the cold for hours on end to lock up a street corner, um, you know, to walk up a street corner or yes, no, one, no, one, <laughs> well, I have stories around that too, but I think that would not be within the purview of this, there you uh, go. This podcast, but um, no luck up. So no one would walk themselves into the set while we were gotcha. shooting. Right? Gotcha. It's called a lock up. Okay. Anyway, and that's that's a production assistant's primary job. And it's it's mind numbingly dumb, but it also takes some skill because you need to ne negotiate with quite some people to not take their route straight route home, but make make a massive detour. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so you know, I think stories tell it best. So I remember I was uh, producing, one of the first things I produced was a um, student film for a friend of mine. And uh, my then boyfriend, he was a, a camera person. He talked me into being the producer. I've never produced anything in my life. So here I am and I'm producing and I'm trying to get the crew to do what I want to do. And I tried to get everybody to like, you know, behave. And it was just like a big, big kerfuffle fest. And um you know, and I had this one guy, an older guy who they had brought in for the lighting because the lighting was really important. And he was giving me grief. He was just being disrespectful. And he was treating me like the little girl that I truly projected being at the time, right? I wasn't, wasn't like, you know, who I am today, obviously. And I remember I called a friend of mine who's also a producer, um, or I should say mentor, really. He's a friend now, but back then he was a mentor. And I remember I was actually crying on the phone. And I'm like... <laughs> Jack, they, they won't do what I want and it's terrible. And, you know, I, I just, I, a woman and in production and this is not gonna work. Do I have to become a script supervisor? Cause that seemed to be like the only higher level job available to women at the time. Mm -hmm. And he just laughed and he said, just you wait until you have the real budgets and the money and you actually, it's your signature on the paycheck. It'll all change really quickly. <laughs> And man, was he right, right? So, so once once I had that money behind me power, yeah. and of course I also had to grow into myself and learning to stand up for myself, yeah. and and shed that you know um, nice girl um, you know looking for a husband um, persona, which was never my persona to begin with, right? I decided very early on that neither children nor marriage were anything I had any interest in. Um, back then for then, but it ended up just being that way, period. And that was something I was very clear on. Mm -hmm. And that was something that didn't fit with the role model of where I came from. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, re I remember that that one scene very well where it was just like, no one's respecting me, but the respect comes when you hold the purse strings. Yeah. You know, pl yeah. Plain and simple. So you, you went from being on a set under someone else's, I'll say in air quotes, checkbook, right? Mm -hmm. And then made the decision 
you know what, I'm going to jump off the cliff and I'm going to become an entrepreneur and I'm going to figure out how to build the plane on the way down, right? What made you decide to, to move from the world of production, yep. Hollywood, New York, you know, Europe, whatever, what, what made you move from that world into being your own business owner? There were several things that came together. Um, when when I when I'm doing the short version of this, the story goes that um, I ran out of visa options, and the immigration lawyer I had hired said, "You have two options: you're getting married, or you're starting your own business." And since I just said what I hold of, you know, where where I stand with marriage, it was like, "Yeah, sure, the business sounds just fine." Um, <laughs> And, but leading up to that, um, you know, I had moved through the ranks really, really quickly because I was just a natural producer. I mm -hmm. love to organize things, um, you know, love my spreadsheets, but I'm also very personable. I, I can be very forceful and tenacious if I need to be. And I love working with people and I have a very creative eye. So, um, you know, it, it, I moved up really quickly and then ended up being a producer at a fairly, fairly young age. And I'm like, where do I go from here? You know, and I was like, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want, I want to be stuck working staff anywhere ever because that family in Europe and you know back then especially two weeks of vacation a year that was just not going to happen. I mean, not over my dead body, and um, and staff jobs were also really far and few between. Um, so the the working project based as a freelancer really worked for me, but I, I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life either. Um, I really wanted to have control of my own destiny. Um, so when the, that lawyer that one day said, you know, is it going to be marriage or company? I didn't really think very long about it. I'm like, sure, I'm starting my own company. Okay. And when, when you did step into that venture, how easy or how hard was it? It was asinine because it was, it was, it was in, because the, the killjoy was that it all was connected with getting this freaking E2 visa. And, and this is pre 9-11 and it was still, it was so, I had to write these massive business plans. And then I remember the first round of business plans were rejected. And um, it was, it was just, everything around it was so complicated. And I mean, just to show you, we incorporated, um, in November, October of 1996, I wasn't allowed to operate the business until June 1st because I just, I, I, you know, kept not getting, you know, the visa process was just, you know, if, 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 if you're in the film business, I, I remember one of the big holdups was that I was um, about to produce a feature film with a producing partner and the budget had, was revised and the starting date was pushed back, which is super normal in the film industry. I mean, nothing ever happens when you project it. Mm -hmm. But to the little person sitting at the IRS back then, or I, I, I what is called back then, it was called um, INS. INS, right. Um, they, all they saw is that I missed, I missed that first deadline and poof. Wow. Out went, out went the application, I had to start from scratch again, wow. um, stuff like that. So um, it, it sort of, and everything I did, um, I had to incorporate. I couldn't do a sub S, I was not an American citizen. I couldn't do an LLC. I had to do the whole incorporation thing. So I'm at the beginning of everything. And everything is immediately, you know, lawyers, accountants. It was just way more complicated than it needed to be because it was in connection with this visa. Right. So and, then yeah. taking the immigration process out of it and the naturalization process out of it and stepping in and just looking at it from the eyes of business. Yeah. How was that journey? Was it a grind? Did you find yourself sacrificing? Uh, was it easy? Did it just like, did, did you open your business and six figures dump, dump themselves into your bank account overnight? Yes and no. So I was in a business where if you did get a job, there were big, big jobs. So really all I needed was like three or four jobs a year to okay. be already in the six business, in the six figure right. business, right? So, and that I came, I came with business. So I already had attracted a lot of attention in Switzerland, my native Switzerland, 
um, with production companies there that were more than thrilled to have a local Swiss German speaking fixer mm -hmm. in New York that they could hire. Nice. Um, so we did really well very quickly until our first massive pivot, which was 9-11. And um, so, so that was that part was not the hard part. Um, the harder part for me was things like, okay, um, you know, how do I market myself? I had, you know, I had no business acumen. I had no MBA. I had never had a business class in my life. Everything I'd ever done was creative. Um, so, you know, I did things like I took an accounting class, which to this day, I'm very happy I did that. Um, after about halfway through the class, I flunked out because it got way too complicated, not complicated, but you know, the people in the class they had to learn to move really fast because they wanted to be accountants. Yeah. But, you know, it gave me it gave me a base knowledge of, of you know, credits and debits and, and how to set up an account for a business that was very helpful. Um, but I knew nothing about marketing. You know, um, but back then there was no there was no crying out loud. There was not really an Internet yet. Right. I Right. Checking checking emails meant crawling under my desk twice a day to unplug my the jack from my phone and tug AOL. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a CompuServe girl. And okay. then you know the, the... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Some of the people <laughs> listening to this are going, what is that? Yeah. I so guys before the internet, email. right? <laughs> Yep. You wrote you wrote all your emails, then yep. you plugged in your computer, you yep. sent them all out, and then you disconnected again. Yeah. Put yep. your phone in. Yeah. yeah wow. those, those were the days. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So so the business that you have today that is thriving six figures, is that the business you started in the beginning? Because we know you pivoted. Right. Yes. I'm shaking my head for those of you who are listening. No, no, it's <laughs> totally. I pivoted. I actually just made a list of 25 things about the business um, because we are celebrating our 25th anniversary next week. A happy anniversary. Uh, thank you. So we had three massive pivots of which not, um, COVID is not one of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so if for, for many people, COVID was a big uh, pivot too. Mm -hmm. um, so the first pivot came with 9-11 um, because that just crushed anything that came from Europe was just not oh, happening. Yeah. And yeah. for a long time, especially in New York. And my, my office was actually below Canal Street. So I was in the Tribeca area. Um, so we were not just mentally and emotionally, we were physically deeply impacted by 9-11. Um, and, um, you know, that meant I got a recovery um, loan from the Small Business Administration, and I had to reinvent myself really, really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so I pivoted into working, doing essentially something similar that I had done for the European clients that I had had just doing it for Americans. Um, but with that, I kind of lost my unique selling point, right? Because here was no longer the Swiss German German aspect, the cultural aspect that all kind of fell by the wayside. And now I just was one of many, um, but it, it worked kind of well. I, I have, I had a you know reputation as um, I still sold myself on my Swiss qualities. Right. So mm -hmm. it was like the punctuality, uh, the, the love to detail, the reliability, like all, all those things that the Swiss are known for. I very heavily marketed myself with that because that was really the only way I, I knew back then to set myself apart. And, you know, and all that time, I also, I did have a, a couple of mentors, but the coaching, the way it happens nowadays, that did not exist back then. And I'm always thinking like, or, or at least not, not in the world that I was in. And I mean, I, I've, I've been, I'm, I mean, I'm now in a group of such amazing, you know, coaches and mentors that I work with. And I, I'm like, if I had that kind of support back then, oh my God, this would have been a seven or eight figure business. You know what I mean? I was, everything I was doing was sort of, I was just sticking with being a producer who happened to also have a company. You know what I mean? It wasn't really, I, I never felt like I was really, you know, running a business business. I was more like just handling more production and hiring more people to handle stuff for me. Yeah, you know, so many people, minimize our or are unaware of the importance of being surrounded by that that mentorship that advisor that that coach because 
you know, a coach never has to be an expert in your field. A coach gets to be an expert in either business or mindset or a combination of both or marketing or a culmination of all you know i have i have i have a marketing coach i have a business coach i have a mindset coach i have i have a financial coach i have a health coach i have a coach for for all major areas of my life because i don't see my blind spots that's why they're blind spots right and and I, I i i wholeheartedly show up to be the best version of myself and so many people ask me you know you have a seven figure business why do you have all these coaches and i said why don't that's you why you have it <laughs> why don't you ask the question and then answer it with your question and, and then ask me again <laughs> so so Let's let's talk about this the, this journey a little deeper. So so you help coaches and and service based entrepreneurs really get exposed, right? You know, I I used to work with a photographer who said, um, uh, what was it? Never shoot your loved ones. Let me do it for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's a good tagline. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many aspects to film mm-hmm. and to video, and we have to remember that we are a sheer representation of everything we do, mm-hmm. uh, whether whether we're doing it live or it, we're putting it out there evergreen. It's, it's representing us. And, you know, there are people out there with selfies and, and zero judgment. I mean, you know, those live real life shots are, are necessary and appreciative. And there also should be a standard of, of marketing that you want to speak for you. Mm. So, you know, I, I hold what you do in high regard because Look, you've stood with the best. You've you've done this professionally. Yeah. So let's talk about the journey of an entrepreneur getting themselves exposed, so to speak. Yeah, and and that's a really interesting journey. And thank you for that question because I could talk for hours about that. Um, so the reason why I work with service-based entrepreneurs is that the moment you offer a service, you are the product. Yeah. And that's why I work with my clients on creating this here, a talking head. Yeah. Because you want to show up the way you show up with your clients, which nowadays mostly is on Zoom. And it take it takes something. It's it's just an add-on layer that we have nowadays with with the internet and with video. Um, you, you are the spokesperson and you are the shingle, um, and you are, you are the company. So you need to show up Mm -hmm. and you want, yes, you want to show up authentically and be yourself. And you also want to make sure that you're showing up within what your brand stands for and is, Mm -hmm. um, and for most of my clients, there's a shift that does happen when they start working with me. Because on one hand, you know, you want to, you want to be yourself and authentic and all that. And on the other hand, um, you you really need to control the situation or the conversation. And I, I don't mean control in an, in a negative or in an oppressive way. It just um, you want to make sure that what goes out there is what you actually want to go out there and what serves you. And so we talk a lot about how do you show up, not just for your, for on video, but for your business in general. And, and that is the personality that then also shows up on video. And for a lot of, for some people, that's a very easy, like, Oh, you know, this is how I am and this is how it works. And we try it out and we try out different formats. We, we, we have a fun quiz that we do with people in the beginning where we kind of, you know, see what, what kind of personality they have. So are they more somebody who's going to do really well with lives? Is it more somebody who does well with like little succinct short tip series? Is it somebody who is more of a storyteller and likes to go expand more? 
guess what I am. Um, and um, you you want to you know you want to make sure that it, it, the the way you show up plays to your natural strengths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say like you you control the conversation um, by talking about not just your business and what you do for people and how you serve them and but it's really about how you do things differently and what you disrupt. And I love using the disruptor language um, because when you ask someone, what is their, um, you know, what's the niche? They normally know how to answer that question. Mm -hmm. But then when you say, hey, and so um, what's your unique selling proposition? A lot of people just go like, oh, oh, oh. well, I've been in business for 30 years, you know, and you sort of get those run of the mill, I'm saying stupid in air quotes here, answers. But if I ask you, what are you disrupting? What pisses you off about your industry? Oh my God, I get an earful, right? And that is your disruptor and that is your unique selling proposition. And that's why you're different than anybody else. And that's where with video, when you can stand in that and you can talk to that, when you show up on video then it's kind of a no-brainer you know and then you're natural yeah 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 that's brilliant so so you know when you first for visa compliant issues when you first started your company having the windfall was easy because you you basically just created an industry job for yourself right (laughs) when when you pivoted and when you change things and started going after the entrepreneurial market, the service-based provider, the coach, was growing your business just as easy or did you walk up to a wall and go, uh-oh? <laughs> yeah, so, so that, was, that was the last pivot we did um, in um, 2015-ish. Uh, that was really, really, really hard. And I feel to this day, I'm still, I'm still kind of juggling it a bit. So um, there were so many shifts that I wasn't even, you know, all the language I'm using right now, I had none of that language available to me, right? Wow. None of it. Yeah. I was I was a producer. You, you could give me a million dollars. I knew how to spend it in a week and, mm-hmm. and give you some really nice videos in return for it. Wow. And, you know, everything was airtightly organized and, and planned and beautiful and perfect. Um, but actually knowing how to get clients other than word of mouth, um, I had no clue. I didn't know how to shoot a video. I had to teach myself how to shoot and edit videos because I had no clue. I'd gone to film school, you know, back in the eight nineties, early eight, late eighties, early nineties. And back then we were still editing, you know, with film strips. I got the scars on my arms, you know, from, from editing with, with the razor blades. Um, you know, it was a very, very different world. Um, and the biggest shift that I didn't even anticipate how hard it was going to be was, as I had mentioned earlier, two or three clients, maybe four clients a year made me a six figure business without even trying. Right. And now I'm like doing the spreadsheet. I'm like, fuck, I need like 50 clients to a year to meet my goals. That's 50 plus sales calls. That's a gazillion LinkedIn posts. That's, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that, that was the, really the biggest shift going from, you know, from, from big, big kahuna clients, which were freaking headache uh, in most times. I remember the last big job I did in 2017, where I was like, F this, I'm done with production. It was a worldwide thing between Hawaii, Switzerland, Germany, and and all of North America, and with the time difference, and just piddly budget, you know, negotiations. I was like, I am so done. I am so done. But now I have the clients I want. But a client is no longer a you know quarter million or a million dollar proposition. A client is now a three thousand, five thousand. $10,000 proposition, right? So it's very, very different. Gotcha. You know, I, I think, I think you speak the pain of, of a lot of business owners and and entrepreneurs is, is they leave a job and create a job. Mm -hmm. And then that job becomes transactional. And because they're, they're in the weeds, they're, they're stuck in the woods, they they can't see outside of it or through it. And, and they haven't really realized that 
we step back and we look at our prospective client, our avatar from their, their, their theoretical problems. What are their pain points? What are their issues? And then, and then we allow ourselves to step back again and ask, how am I a solution to that? Not just in one way, in a lot of ways. Yep. And then that lets us productize ourselves, servitize ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And then we create, I like to call it the ice cream cone because who doesn't like sugar ice cream cones, right? Uh, whether it's a funnel or a spiral or an ice cream cone, you know, the world is your ice cream on top. And, and that's who you want to attract into the ice cream cone. And then the very top of the ice cream cone, the widest part, that's where we have our no cost, low cost. This is the attraction magnet. This is the Scooby snacking, right? And yeah. then, and then a, a percentage of the yummy stuff drips down to the middle. And then that's where we have our mid cost stuff. And then the uh, percentage of the yummy stuff drips down to the very chocolate tip bottom. Right. That's and that's where we trade time for money. This mm -hmm. is where it's an investment to work with us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some business owners look at, I created myself a job and now I have to do 50 transactions a month just to make a specific nut when really their blind spots are, they could offer a multitude of services and make it less transactional. Yep. yep. And, and, and that's where we move from a, a self-employed job to, to real business, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, so, you know, I, I love that you're bringing that up because I remember the first three years, I gave myself three months, by the way. And the first three years I was piddling around like crazy. And I must say at that point, I had, I had inherited a decent amount of money. So I had the luxury to mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to be very clear here. Um, and I, oh my God, I went through, I tried about 20 different products. I, I tried out so many different things. Like I had all these, and I'm, I'm an idea machine, right? Yeah, so yeah. I now actually have a business partner who like brings me like, you know, pulls me back. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. Well, Slow I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise I'd just be re pivoting. I'd be pivoting myself into oblivion. Yeah. Right? Um, so, you know, I was like, okay, so how, so, so my, my real um, passion is to help people be heard and seen period. Mm -hmm. And my niche is, as I said, the service space and the, and the business coaches, because that is a, where it made sense and be what I can relate to myself. And it's just, it's, it's a kind of people that I just really resonate with and they like me, I like them. So it was just a, a natural and good fit. I did do the whole thing of, you know, do I want to only work with orthodontists or with chiropractors or immigration lawyers? And I was like, no, -uh. you know, so, um, so I'm, I'm with, I'm stuck with the business coaches. For me, it was always important to have a product that I could see myself that was re, that I could replicate, that I could um, scale. So it's yeah. a scalability aspect for me. Very early on, I realized whatever it is that I do, it needs to be scalable, because I'm getting not any younger. And and in you know in 2015, I was like, okay, I have about 10 to 15 more years of like full blown business activity. I want to make it count, right? Okay. And, and that was a very conscientious decision. Embrace all things digital and go for it. Um, and I also wanted the freedom to work from wherever I wanted to because my parents were getting older. I wanted to be able to spend more time in, in, in Europe. So mm -hmm. um, being location independent was, was a, a real, that was like my biggest goal. Um, and, and, and being scalable. And the mo you can only be scalable if you have a repeat process and if you have an actual, even if it's a service, but you have a product and one-on-one -on -one calls is, or being one-on-one -on -one with your clients is not scalable. No, no. You can only have scalability if you actually tap into leverage, either from an evergreen digital process or mm -hmm. have a clear strategy on your customer journey before mm -hmm. they enter your funnel, while they're in your funnel, and now right. as they exit your funnel. Because, you know, mm -hmm. one thing business has taught us time and time again 
is business uh, client acquisition costs are 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 huge. It's a huge it's a huge uh, hit to to a business's bottom line. So it is uh, I'll say in air quotes it's easier to synergistically sell. It's easier to shoestring sell to an existing client yes. or fan than it is to a cold market. That's why McDonald's oh, got, that's why McDonald's got so popular with their super size, right? They already have you. So they're going to upsell you. And this isn't always about the upsell. This isn't always about the weight. There's more. It's you already have rapport with the client. They already know yep. you like you and trust you. You've already helped them once. And there's a probability that deeper in your funnel, you can continue to do so to next level them. Yeah. And, and that was for me the biggest thing. So once I created the first product, which was our cohort um, to help people, you know, just shoot and, and, and do all the stuff around video marketing that is necessary from strategy to content creation, hosting, posting, all that stuff. And then I would let them go. I'm like, I don't want to let these people go. Right. I'm like, but then I was like, well, what can I sell them now? They know how to shoot. They know how to think about it. And then I was like, okay, so now we, we start a club. Um, we start, you know, specific stuff. And, but, and, and I think this was really helpful from the beginning too. I was very, very clear. A lot of people said, why don't you start offering editing services? And I was like, I am not running a studio again. I'm not running an agency again. I don't want to be stuck in the weeds of looking at 50 videos a day and having to give some editor feedback on every single freaking frame that is not where it's supposed to be. Yep. Or, you know, a graphic that I want to have moved that much over. Right. So I was very, very clear on whatever solutions that I was going to come up with within the ecosystem of, of clockwise productions, it was going to be service and service based only without a tangible, um, this is what we physically do for you, right? Because yeah. editing, yes, it's digital, but it's physical, right? Yeah. Same yeah. Time. yeah, yeah, absolutely. New York traffic sounds just like LA traffic. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, we just got a benign little hunk. Just we wait. If we talk long enough, we'll get the sirens too. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So, so you know, through the journey, I I jokingly refer to to social media as the entrepreneurial witness protection program. It's where <laughs> I love it. Yes, it's, it's where all. It's where all small business owners, entrepreneurs, and independent sales professionals go to allow their, their businesses to, to, to dwindle because they convince themselves that they're working while they're on social media and their brain is incapable of telling the difference between productivity and activity, right? So, so what you do it is directly correlated to digital marketing, social media marketing. And, and you know, with, with today's instant gratification uh, society, we have to grab people's attention, right? So knowing film, like you know film, what tips can you give to that person who knows that they need to be releasing videos yeah. and they hate the way they look on camera or they hate the way they sound on camera. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's that specific question, I, I, and all I can tell you is get over yourself and just fucking do it. <laughs> I mean, there is just no way around it. Yep. And I tell, so little stories, so two little stories. Number one, when I started putting myself in front of the camera, which by the way, I hated the way I sounded and I hated the way I looked. Mm -hmm. And I was already 50 and I was like, holy crap. Couldn't I have done that when I was 30 and a lot skinnier and prettier? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I ran down to the little boutique uh, thing on my corner and I had, not only did I have my first facial in my life ever, I bought a 10 pack. Um, and after that 10 pack, it was very clear that it didn't help any at all. <laughs> Um, a little slider on Zoom that says uh, enhance your appearance was much more effective than any facial ever was going to be. Um, <laughs> and then a couple of years later, so in the early days, I was still editing everything myself very much on purpose because I wanted to learn how to edit. And about, 
I don't know how long in, but maybe half a year in, I was editing something. It was usually like me talking and I laughed at myself cracking a joke. And it was the first time where I had reacted to myself on video as not, oh, I'm editing myself, but as, oh, I'm laughing at the person in the, in the, on the edit screen that I'm editing. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, wow, I've now been able to disassociate myself from myself and just see myself for the person that I am and not for the person that I think I should be. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was such a seismic shift where I was like, okay, I've now done enough videos that I'm okay with how I look right. or how I sound. Right. Uh, but that just comes with doing it. There's, there's just no, there is no, there's no way to get past that. I, I agree. So outside no. that specific question, uh, what can they do? Well, so again, do it. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a couple of things. Uh, I mean, first of all, get yourself somebody to, to help you get through it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Fiddling by yourself, if you have nothing better to do with your life and you want to make, uh, you know, video your hobby, fine. But yeah. most likely you're going to get stuck in the doing and not in the being productive. So get yourself somebody to help you with that. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, you do not need equipment. I'm going to repeat that. You do not need any equipment. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, you have a cell phone mm -hmm. and that personal device or, or um, um, you know, your iPhone, your Android is a full-fledged film studio. Yeah. Um, my clients, if they want to go shopping, I, I first of all, I tell them to get over it. Second of all, I tell them to return everything they've already bought. And thirdly, I will let them buy a desk tripod. That's about as far as I'll go. And if they're working in a basement, which they shouldn't, there you go, something like that. <laughs> That's mine, all is I have. Little, mine is a little fancier, but it's in the other room. Um, and and you know, and, and unless you're working in a dingy basement um, and and you need some lights. You know, I'm right now. It's all daylight that that yep. you see on me. No, there's no, um, there's no light. Other lights. Um, so, so th those are sort of the the practical things. And then on the videos themselves, if you don't have a call to action, then just don't bother doing videos. Nice. If you don't tell people what to do, if they don't know what people want to be told, they want to know what to do. Yeah, exactly. If, they, if they're going to waste, and I'm saying that in the most loving way, their time to watch your video, they are engaging with your video and they're watching it to the end. Yeah. Give them something. Yeah. And the okay. kindest way to communicate with them and engage with them is to give them something to do. And it has nothing to do with sales. Mm -hmm. Um. Of course we're selling, but it's a, hey, so I just told you about why closed captioning is so freaking important on your videos. What do you, what do you, do you use closed captioning in your videos? Let me know in the comments below why or why not. Boom, that is a call to action, right? Yeah. And now yeah. I've got an audience that is going like, hmm, I don't do call to actions because I don't know how to do them technically. Or I have somebody say like, oh, I, I already do call to act, um, close captioning and they feel all good about themselves and they can yeah. leave that in the comments. So, um, and, and that now gives me an opportunity to engage with them back and say, oh, how interesting, you're doing captions already. What software are you using? You know, And now I have a reason to engage and have a conversation with a potential new client. And it's just a conversation we're having. That's amazing advice. Thank you for sharing that, Nina. So, Nina, welcome to the signature question of the show. <laughs> and that is, what does selling without selling mean to you? So I think we're, we're at that point, right? Because I just talked about call to actions. For there me, you selling, go. Yeah. So for me, selling without selling is me showing you, not telling you who I am, what I stand for and what I can do for you. Mm. And video is brilliant at doing that. And, um, you know, I, I, I love to, I'm an enabler. So if I could do what I'm doing without having to charge money for it, I would do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I just really am passionate about what I do. And I think that shows in how I show up on social media, on my website, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, if people get that, um, then it's it's a no-brainer to work with me. 
And that is where, you know, video more than any other tool that we have in the digital marketing realm just does so brilliantly is I always say it, it's like a, a self um, selector. If somebody doesn't like my voice or they think I'm, I'm a little weird or, you know, too big a nose, God knows what, doesn't, yeah. doesn't like I'm wearing black, you know who you are, um, you know, then it, it then they're not going to even start, they won't waste my time or, or their time with right. signing up for a sales call. So right. it's a great selector um, and it's a great way to for you to really stand, stand in who you are for yourself and your company and, and the people you serve. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, for me, it's all of that and making sure that the platform you stand on is a platform that understands that the inner work gets to get done before the outer will ever work. And when we show up desperate, when we show up needing, when we show up standing in front of an avatar, knowing that they're a number, right? Not yeah. not a problem that mm. needs a solution yeah. and then that oozes out to them and mm. and that's when that's when they feel sold that's when they feel prospected you yeah. know when 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 we're clean and pristine and we stand on that platform of a service proposition that we are the best of the best Mm -hmm. And we know that there's needs, wants, and desires out there for our product services and solutions, and we're here to solve them. And it's our responsibility to move the prospective client through their decision-making process into the best solution for them to create a minimum of a win-win and possibly even a win-win-win. Mm -hmm. then, then you know you are selling without selling. Yep. I, I totally agree. And, and that is also something that, again, if you, I think that comes naturally if, if you're coming from a place of service and a, and yeah. a place of, I'm not a big a, a passion word person, mm -hmm. but for a lot of people, that's their passion. I'm, 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 I like the disruptor language. Um, when, when, you know, when, when you're solving whatever that is that pisses you off about your industry, yeah. <laughs> when you're coming from that place, um, then, then it's just, then it's a natural, a natural thing. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Thank yeah. you for that. So Nina, welcome to the random round. I believe that success leaves clues. And I <laughs> love to ask our expert guests, um, a question or two to, so that when they answer it, our, our listeners can turn around and go, you know what? I love that. And I want to incorporate that into my life. Oh, so okay. <laughs> my question for you is, what does your morning ritual look like? Um, so I don't know whether people want to incorporate that, but so the first, <laughs> the first half an hour is spent trying to remember who I am, where I am, and you know what day of the week it is, and why the hell there is a dog in bed with me. So um, I'm I'm an extraordinarily dysfunctional morning person. And I actually thought getting a dog would alleviate that because I would have a nice little wet snout in my face at early in the morning, mm -hmm. um, which um, it's actually me who kicks him out of bed. So you get the dog you deserve. But because I'm so dysfunctional, actually the routine is, is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually have a, I have a routine. I walk in my apartment, right? So it's like out of the bed, left turn into the bathroom, do what you got to do. And then, you know, other round turn, go into the kitchen, do what you need to do. And I set everything up the night before. So mm -hmm. the teapot already has water in it. The tea, the loose tea and the little eggy thingy the tea goes into and the cup and the spoon, it's all there. Because if it's not there, I will just stand there for five minutes and forget that that is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I just have myself set up the night before I'm an obviously a night owl, which, you know, didn't know that until recently, but I'm a night owl. So I set everything up and then it, it just goes, it just, it's like a domino effect, right? I do this and then I do this and then I do this. And then somehow magically about 20 minutes later, I have had, you know, my teeth are brushed. I've had a cup of tea. Uh, I'm dressed most days and I have a leash in my hand and a dog at the end of the leash and I leave the house. Uh, and, and, and so the routine is really, really important. And then I just really adore my half an hour, 45 minutes with the dog outside, fresh air, um, 
and just uh, and that's where I start. You know, then I rec- start, my brain starts functioning, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's it's Friday, the Friday, you know, before Memorial Day, and um, the dog at the end of my leash is actually my dog, and you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I am so routine, routine, routine. Um, love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, Nina, I really appreciated you being on our show. I, I know how valuable your time is. I know how packed your days are. If our listeners want to find you, reach out to you, connect with you, follow you, how can they do that? Um, so the, the, the most basic one is obviously the website, clockwiseproductions.com. Um, but, and I always love when people reach out to me on LinkedIn, because on LinkedIn, you can actually watch us in action doing what we preach. Mm. So we work with our clients mostly on LinkedIn. We get all our clients organically on LinkedIn. And so we post a lot, we post a lot of videos. So that is a great place to experience what what video can do for you organically if you are a service provider in particular business coach so i would invite you i'm the only nina Farip there is um i would love to you know see you on uh, on linkedin and and you know connect with me and let me know that you you know heard about me through through the show that would be that would be a lot of fun awesome nina thank you so much i truly appreciate you and your time Of course. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Hey, your success is important to me. And it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do three things right now. First, I'd love for you to hop over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's hop over to Facebook, join our Sell Without Selling community. Second, second, since we're already there, jump over to Instagram. And follow us at the Stacey O'Byrne. Let's jump over to Instagram. Follow us at the Stacey O'Byrne. Last and definitely not least, I'd love to chat with you. Get feedback on the episodes and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this show more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success that you've always dreamed of, desired, and know you deserve. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacey. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. And always remember this. Choice is a powerful thing, and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so you can get on your way, so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.